Before the pandemic, engagement and well-being were rising globally for nearly a decade, but now they're stagnant. Living for the weekend, watching the clock tick, work is just a paycheck. These are the mantras of a lot of employees. And today on the Champion Forum podcast, we talk about how to bring passionate performance back to the workplace. This is the Champion Forum podcast with Jeff Hancher, the forum for leaders, champions, and dreamers. Lee Collin is the president of the L Group consulting firm. He's an expert leadership advisor who's built a 25-year track record of successfully managing the challenges of rapid organizational change. Many companies have experienced the positive impact of Lee's practical approach, including FedEx, the American Heart Association, Walmart, and Texas Instruments. Lee's authored 10 rapid read books, including the bestseller, Sticking to It, The Art of Adherence, which illuminates how the highest achieving people and teams sharpen their focus, build their competence, and ignite their passion. Lee, it is an absolute honor to have you on the show. Welcome to the Champion Forum podcast. Awesome. Pleasure to be here, Jeff. Really appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you. Thanks so much. Well, you and I got to uh, catch up a little bit before uh, we hit the record button. But for the sake of the listener, I got to tell you this. uh, I interview a lot of people, but this one is very meaningful to me uh, because Lee's work has had a direct impact on my leadership career and my leadership impact. And to tell a little bit of the story to the listener, I was about a year uh, into my leadership tenure, hard-charging new leader, thought I had it all figured out. I was a great individual contributor and just made the assumption, Lee, that everybody did it like I was going to do it. And I learned really quickly that they didn't. And uh, I started getting a, a bad brand around me. And I had a great leader. Uh, her name was Karen. She... Uh, kind of caught wind of this brand or reputation that was being built. And we were at a corporate meeting once and she handed me uh, your book, Passionate Performance. And she said, if you you read this book and you do what it says to do, not only will you become a better leader, but you'll make bigger impact. And so I've read this book no less than 50 times, of which 40 of it was probably in in the first year of getting it. And since that time, I've given it to literally thousands of leaders and it's changed my life. So, Lee, I want to I want to publicly say thank you for your work. You're making big impact. Well, thank you for your support and your encouragement, Jeff. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, You know, listen, you can see it's a little thin book. Get it done real quick. And uh, I always tell people maybe the best thing about it is that it comes with a, a guarantee. If you put it by your nightstand in one hour, you're either done or you're asleep. Right. So. Uh, you can get through it, uh, but we hope that it kind of has some actionable things. And like any book or, or anything, it's 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 great that the book has some useful, actionable content, but it's really about the reader, right? Are you going to make something happen with it? And so uh, well done for you for turning it into real action and some impact. That's that's our goal. That's, that's an honor for me to be here to kind of hear that those stories are wonderful. That's why we do what we do. A lot of our books are come from our consulting work with clients. So we'll develop a model. We'll try to help address an issue. In this case, it was engagement. It could be coaching. It could be execution. It could be attitude. It could be your mm-hmm. culture. Um, but we try to develop a solution 
put it in place. And I'm a pretty simple-minded guy. So it's like, I'm trying to boil it down something really simple. And then if it starts working, we do it with another client, do it with another client. And then we realize, you know what? We really view our business as much as a personal calling. So we want to be able to get that useful tool or model or framework out to the rest of the world if we can. So in those cases where like in passion performance, we developed that model, we've applied it. Uh, we want to be able to codify that solution. Uh, mm -hmm. So we codify it in, a, in the form of a book like that. So um, appreciate you. Well, it, and I do like the uh, the easy to digest quick reads because yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, everything, every tool has its purpose. But, you know, I tell leaders all the time, there's a difference between knowing something and executing on it. Yeah. And what I love about the book and many of your quick read books is you can digest them and go to work on the principles pretty quick. And it's in this book that I learned the difference between engaging the heart and engaging the mind of people. Yeah. And I mean, those that are new to leadership or maybe even tenured, yeah. sometimes we think like we're just here to manage results and yeah. make sure people don't break the rules. But yeah. there is something about this passionate performance that it's putting the people first and the people take care of the business. Sure. And what brought you to my mind, Lee, was I'm now in consulting. I've left the corporate world and I'm out there helping solve some of the biggest challenges like you do as well. And one of those is just that it's engagement or lack of engagement. Yeah. And Lee, you probably uh, follow the stats like I do. And yeah. Gallup, they recently informed us that only 21% of employees are engaged at work. And most would say that they don't find their work even meaningful at this point. Yeah. They don't think their lives are going well, or they, they don't feel very hopeful about the future. And business leaders right now are facing real challenges as it relates to employee engagement. Why is this? What are you seeing out there? Um, are you seeing the same things? I'm sure that you are. But why is does it seem like we this is cresting uh, for business leaders at this moment? Well, listen, this, this model is 20 years old. We feel it's as, as relevant as, as it was back then. Uh, and for this reason, to, to address your question, uh, I think when people went remote, uh, managers are like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll pick up the phone, I'll call them more. But in, but at its core, most managers and leaders kept their same leadership style. Mm -hmm. And you can't engage people the same way if they're not with you, right? You have to kind of get a little more creative, pull them in. Um, and so I, I think that's really been the gap that we've seen. So even now, most companies are kind of swinging the pendulum back to some type of hybrid, two, three days back in, one day, whatever it might be. But as a leader, like I've got to, it's one thing if I could just walk down the hall and see you and I, hey, you know, Jeff, how's it going? What do you need help with? You know, how, you know, what are you struggling with? You're, you're there. It's very easy. You have those kind of incidental interactions. And when you're remote, everything has to be very planful. And so it's really making sure that those communications are being deliberate and purposeful to meet some of these needs and particularly the emotional needs. The, for the listener, the passion performance model has six human needs, three intellectual needs to engage the mind, the needs for achievement, autonomy, and mastery. But even very relevant today, they're all the same, but really the gap today is on those emotional needs to engage the heart, the needs for purpose, intimacy, and appreciation. Intimacy, uh, we you could use the word same words like connection, right? Mm -hmm. But you can imagine now if I'm going in just a couple of days a week, like maybe even my sense of purpose, that, and that's a big deal we've noticed too, is like the, the the today's worker, their need for purpose. Like it's not so much about am I satisfied on the job? Is, is it feeling purposeful at two levels, Jeff? Is my job purposeful? Like 
So as a leader, I would say, no matter how high a level person, some MBA from Harvard you're managing, it's your job to build a bridge between their daily tasks and some brighter tomorrow. What are they, what's the why, right? What's their purpose? But also today's workers looking for organizational purpose, not just job purpose. How are we as an organization making the world a better place, improving the human condition? And, and so if you're not, even as an organization, the CEO and executive need to think about, all right, how do we make sure we're like showing that we're a purposeful organization? You can't just say, oh, we do these, you know, we, we contribute to a not-for-profit. I mean, those are easy fixes. It's really making that connection for people. So that sense of purpose and then that intimacy, that connectedness uh, is really, I think that's probably the main one why those scores are kind of leveling off, not doing so great right now from an engagement standpoint. Because oh, like I'm here, I got a Zoom call and I'm so Zoomed out. I'm like, even when I'm on Zoom with 10 people, I'm like, oh, you know. So, you know, it's really making sure I, I'm kind of an old school guy. I'll tell our leaders, like, pick up the phone. Forget about the Zoom. Yeah. Just pick up the phone. We used to do a really good job of connecting people just on the phone, right? Yeah. Just yeah. pick up the phone and call them. And, and don't you don't always have to have a business reason. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Like, what's going on? Tell me what's happening. We always tell our leaders that you have to be able to see the human behind the employee. Yeah. And I think the old out of sight, out of mind thing kind of actually comes into fruit, you know, comes out to play here. So we need to make sure, okay, they're out of sight. How do I make sure I'm staying connected? What's going on with their family? You know, they have a mother-in-law living with them that's sick right now. Are they are they having a homeschool? You know, what are they juggling? So we need to make sure that we're kind of connected in that way. And people want to know that my leader's got my back, right? He or she yeah. really cares for me as a human being. Uh, and so I think I we're a long answer, but I think that connectedness, that purpose and that connectedness and intimacy is really what's missing now. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I mean, the only constant has been change over the last sure. 24 months. And sure. I think the companies that were doing what you just said coming into the chaos did better, but I think everybody was affected. And so you have people that were kind of, they kind of had this good model going in. And so they minimize damage, yeah. but then comes phase two, which is, am I changing with the landscape? Right. I think that was kind of the, you know, we got the jab, then we got the right hook because it's like, okay, I think we're going to be okay. But then came the right hook, which was things are changing fast and we're not keeping up. Yeah. And you have an amazing track record of helping companies manage rapid organizational change. It's one of your brand hallmarks. And in your experience, how, how have the events over the last few years, how have they created the need for more rapid organizational change? And what advice are you giving companies to kind of navigate the choppy water? Sure. And, and so if you look at the Gallup, I know you've, you've cited Gallup surveys before, but like yeah, I think 2016, 2017, Gallup did an expansive global research around the shifting needs of today's worker. And then like any good crisis, all COVID did was accelerate an existing trend, right? So people think, oh, it's like this because of COVID. It's not. These trends are well-documented that people are looking for a sense of purpose more. They don't want a boss. They want a coach, right? They don't, they don't really want to focus on their weaknesses like typical performance appraisal do. They want to focus on their strengths. Help me, help me kind of flourish within my, my most gifted areas. They don't, they're not focused so much on work-life balance like in the old days. They're, they're like, it's just life now, right? You can see what's going on in my house. My kid's running behind me. It's just life. So there are clear trends or, or illuminated that COVID just said, okay, we're going to take those. They were on a path like this, but we just went like that, right? That's what that COVID did for them. So, and that's what kind of caught, that was that second punch you were talking about, the copy of like, oh my gosh, like these things are, 
real. It's not just like, oh, it looked like they're real, they're staying around. And if you look at demographics, it tells us that the supply and demand in the labor market of not having enough employees isn't going to go away anytime soon. It's not just a blip. So, um, you know, China, Japan have experienced that. We've got less people in the workforce. We've got people having less children. It's going to be even in the next generation. So as a leader, 10 years ago, what used to be a nice to have, like, you know, if you're a leader, if you did this passionate performance stuff like you did, you really set yourself apart. Yeah. Today, it's just like table stakes, right? Yeah. You, you better do that stuff or else people are just going to go elsewhere. If yeah, they don't it's see an expectation. Kind of, yeah. If they don't see that engaging leadership, that sense of purpose, really feeling connected, really feeling appreciated, which was the third emotional need I didn't talk about yet. But if they're not feeling that, it's like, well, I got 10 other places I can go. So it's really what used to be, again, a nice to have as a, from a leadership practice standpoint is now becoming kind of a competitive mandate. Yeah, it's so, standard. So it's nice for guys like us, like in the business, it's, it's a little easier to make the business case now. The numbers kind of tell, tell the story. So again, there's no rocket science here. There's science behind it. We're big on the, the brain science and, 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 and the human science about how our brains work, how people work, what the organizational dynamic is. But the science tells us that if we, we have these needs, the basic human needs, if we can see those needs, identify those and fulfill those people uh, perform at peak performance. That's what passionate performance is. Yeah. It's nothing more than getting discretionary effort from your team. People willingly giving their time and energy. You got to engage their mind and their heart. That's the holy grail for a leader. Yeah. I want people thinking about my projects and what they could do to help us out when they're driving to work in the morning or when they're walking the dog. That's discretionary effort. And, yeah. and I feel like when we talk about disengagement now, that's the, that's at the crux of it. Because when I'm starting to get disengaged, it's that period we call, I quit, but I forgot to tell you. You know, we're like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to come in a little later. I'm tired. Or, I'm going to cut off at four o'clock instead of five o'clock. Or, oh, they want me to volunteer for this project. I'm not going to do it. Or, you know, they, and then all. And so it's that phase. It's very dangerous. Um, but uh, we, and so as we see these things, people starting to finger point, not taking accountability, um, uh, absenteeism going up. Those are symptoms of disengagement. So as a leader, we can't just sweep those under the rug. We you better acknowledge those and go, okay, that's kind of tough for me to see, but that tells me what's going on in the hearts and minds of my team. I need yeah. to kind of nip in the bud. Man, that's so good. I, um, you know, you saying that, you know, we know, we've, we know the great, uh, the, the great turnover of 2021 and yeah. the great resignation of 2022, all this stuff happening and, uh, you know, call after call, consulting meeting after consulting meeting, we hear about labor costs are so high and to attract talent, it, it it's we're paying more than we've ever paid. I have people that are leaving for more money. You know, all of these things. I was in a workshop this morning that I was moderating, Lee, on performance management, feedback, expectations, yeah. accountability. Yeah. And um, the one gentleman said, I, I'm hesitant to give feedback to our peak performers and hold them accountable because they might quit. Yeah. And I said, well, let's let's flip the script here. Like, <laughs> what if you don't hold them accountable and they stay? Yeah. Um, what is that going to look like? Because I said, I'm going to argue my debate is, is that your best recruiting tool is your engaged staff. That's right. And as leaders, we're going to attract who we are, not what we want. Yeah. And this passion, a passionate performance that you're talking about, Lee, I think it solves a magnitude of problems. Sure. I'm not here to say like we can't compete with salaries and so forth. Right. But we've heard the saying that people will stay for a leader. 
Yes. And I believe that to be absolutely true. And, and they'll, they'll stay for leave. people that are making them better. They'll also leave for the wrong leader, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So, so here we uh, are. We have we have low employee engagement. We have high organizational change happening. Yeah. And and this is a very challenging recipe for leaders to manage. Sure. You know, low engagement, lots of change. Yeah. What are the best companies and leaders doing to navigate this? And and well, what is your advice? Is there a lever we can pull? Yeah, there's a very simple solution. No, I'm just joking. It's not that simple, right? Yeah. <laughs> Take but, this but, pill and it all goes right. away. Right. And listen, we all of our clients, their salary line is at record levels. They're making salary increases to make sure they're being competitive. But if you just play the salary game and say we just got to keep being the highest in the market, well, that's a that, that's a tough that's a tough game to win, right? So we said, listen, we tell our clients be reasonably competitive on the salary side, but the glue to your business to attract, it's the magnet and the glue. It attracts people as a magnet and it's the glue that keeps people there is the culture, right? It is your culture. And so again, we used to say this 10 years ago and they're like, oh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Now they're like, okay, we realize that we're seeing a churn going out the door. We better create. And so that culture starts with your frontline leaders that know how to see the person behind the employee. They know how to meet these six needs that we've talked about, the three intellectual needs, the three emotional needs. And, and, and people feel like they're loved, right? And they're appreciated. And then we have that balance you alluded to. Okay, how do I make sure I tell, show people they're loved and appreciated, but also keep them accountable? We're, we're running an enterprise here, right? It's not, you know, it's not a not-for-profit in most cases that we work with. So how, how, do, how do we balance that? And even if you're a not-for-profit, we've got to keep people accountable. We're using external funds. We have to be good stewards of our donations. So there, there is that balance there. But I would tell you that if people know that they're loved and appreciated, they're much more open to being held accountable and growing. And, and I don't even like to call it necessarily accountability because it's really about, I'm giving you feedback, Jeff, because I want you to be the best person you could be. Yeah. Not just the best employee and perform, but the best person. Yeah. I love a quote from Marcus Buckingham that wrote uh, First Break All the Rules. He said, our job as leaders is not to put in what God left out, but it's to draw out what God put in. Yeah. Right? So it's really about seeing their natural gifts and helping them flourish in those areas. They'll be so loyalty if you do that. Uh, and and um, I, I don't know, I just, uh, I really feel like that's a big deal now, particularly because workers, again, data will tell us they're not, they don't want you focusing on their weaknesses that they can fix, right? Focus right. on strengths. And, yeah. and I would say, even in the past, before that data came out, we would always tell our clients, find the naturally gifted areas and help people flourish in there. You're, you're golden. If, if, yeah. if you say to me, Lee, uh, one of your weaknesses is being disorganized. You could work with me all day long, and I'm probably never going to be the most organized guy on your team. I might get to a reasonably proficient level. So I'm not saying ignore people's weaknesses if it's getting in the way of doing their job. But sure. the best return for your invested time is to identify what they're naturally gifted at. How, how can we help them develop that and help the organization grow and using those gifts? Yeah. Um, and, and I just think you find tremendous uh, commitment and you find just great benefit uh, from doing that. Well, and so much job satisfaction, right. right? Like get right people in the right seat. You know, when I make this point, I usually ask people, what is uh, Warren Buffett's second best at? Yeah. And nobody knows yeah. and nobody cares, yeah. right? <laughs> we know what he's really good at. We yeah. want to keep we want to keep Mr. Buffett in his lane. Yeah. Yeah. And so many times we do try to put the square peg in the round hole yeah. because this is what our company needs. Right. And not not and losing sight of where can they bring the most value? 
Right. And and to your point, Lee, I think I think leaders like the pendulum does shift. You know, you have leaders that might be listening that says that seems real fluffy to me. That's not really my style. I'm kind of a tough leader and I kind of lead with the iron fist. Well, suit yourself. I mean, that ship has sailed. Yeah. But then you have other leaders that they might be listening to you, Lee, and they're saying, so what Lee's saying is just be nice. Yeah. And I think what we're what what we need to dive into, maybe Lee, if you would, is is that there is literally a science behind this and there's things that we need to learn and understand so that we can do this well. And you talk about this in passionate performance about you talk about the difference between intellectual needs and emotional needs. Yeah. Can, can you explain the balance? Um, how do sure. we strike this balance? Because intellectual, you talk a lot about achievement and autonomy. Yeah. Emotional, you talk a lot. You mentioned intimacy and appreciation. Yeah. How do we how do we check these boxes and how does a leader take actionable steps to hit the intellectual and the emotional? Sure, good question. So let me say, you said people might misinterpret and say you just need to be nice. Well, the truth is, you do need to be nice, right? You need to be nice and respectful. You could be nice and still have tough conversations with people, right? So we have hearts and minds. They're completely balanced, right? So, so if we just focus on just the intellectual needs of achievement, autonomy, mastery, drive, 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 all we're doing is creating a sweatshop, right? We're not going to be able to sustain that kind of performance over time. But the intellectual side gets you the performance, right? That's where the performance comes from in passionate performance. The emotional side gets you the passion, right? The needs for a, a purpose, intimacy, and, and appreciation, right? But if we just focus on that side, that's just kind of a party, right? So like, that's nice. Right? We need both of them. They, the heart and the mind need to go hand in hand. So the key is, as a leader, it's not a one size fits all. It's like, okay, I'm looking at Jeff and like, what, what's important to him? So I remember my one of my daughters was in kindergarten one time and she came home crying because the teacher made her come sit up in the front of the room and sit in her chair. And she thought that was like really embarrassing. Well, we talked to the teacher about it. That was a form of recognition. Right? Huh. So the, the teacher was like, well, I was bringing her up there because she did a great job. Same thing here. It's like when you appreciate someone, we're not saying, okay, here's my rubber stamp. That's why you have to see the human behind the employee and understand how do they, how do I help them meet that need? On the need for mastery and coaching, someone you might be really advanced in that regard. And you just need to kind of get out of the way and give them the resources. Or maybe you have a new person on your team that really needs your coaching guidance along the way. So these are not like, you know, out there needs. These are basic human needs. But if you're, if you love your people, we always say the best leaders really love their people. Like, and just like when we love our kids, doesn't mean I like what they're doing all the time. Right. And so yeah. you don't have to agree with everything they're doing, but they have to show that you have a real vested interest in their success and are willing to do the right things for them. So uh, whether it's any, any of these needs, there's not rocket science. So appreciate the need for achievement, right? Do we, I need to provide the right resources? Right. I need to I need to kind of get out of the way, right? On an autonomy, I need to provide some kind of reasonable boundaries, right? And some expectations. And and so it, it, there's real simple stuff, as you know, in the book. And I think that's what resonates with the book is that it's like, okay, I could do this, right? It's so yeah. simple. And I think many times go back to Warren Buffett. He has a quote, I'll probably butcher, but he has a quote that says, as human beings, we have this perverse desire to make the simple complex. Yeah. Right. And so we're just trying to make the simple and keep it simple. And, yeah. and, I, and even though we've got all this swirl of pandemic and all these things going on around us, human beings and the basic human needs haven't really changed, right? Now things shift now, I get that, but in terms of really trying to connect with people and help them lead and inspire them, 
that it hasn't changed over the years. It's just our people's minds and hearts as the leader, are they open to that going, you know what, I need to do something a little bit differently now. Mm-hmm. And it isn't easy. I, I get that because we have a lot of leaders that are at retirement age that are like, you know what, this is going to take a whole new skill set for me to kind of uh, to reach, to train myself. I'm not up for it. In fact, yeah. in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we've had 10 uh, heads of school districts resign in the past year. I think Can you like, blame okay, them? I'm, I'm done. Like they, they know it's a new, a new ball game, right? And so, um, but for those that are up for it, that have that really want to make a difference, I think it's a really meaningful form of leadership to really invest yourself in your people and help them not only become better employees but better better people. Um, and and boy, what deep connections you get from that! I'm sure you can re- recall plenty of folks back at CentOS that are still thinking oh, yeah. about you. You probably have a boatload of thank you notes and stuff. And that, how more rewarding is that? That's what leadership's about. That's the it big is. payoff is for a leader. It's my fuel. Like, uh, lo- love, love CentOS, but I wasn't, I needed more and so yeah. much so that I quit my amazing job because yeah. I am passionate about it. It's like, what else is there yeah. as a leader? Which, by the way, leader, if you're listening, our, our, I mean, really, at the end of the day, our job is to help other people reach their fullest potential. Yeah. You know, the sign right behind me lead, inspire, and win. Yeah. And, you know, this intellectual side, it hit me so hard when I first started learning this piece of it because I was more, I was always emotionally driven because I, I grew up in humble beginnings. And so this appreciation and sense of purpose and hitting the milestones always meant something to me that warm and fuzzy, but it wasn't until I learned this intellectual side, because sometimes as leaders, we just kind of assume people do it like we do it. Yeah. But the mastery thing is what hit me the most. And this intellectual piece to me, Lee, is sometimes spelled T-I-M-E. It's like, I'm going to sit in that room and role play with you until you know how to trial close and script. And when you make people better, because I mean, you're seeing it, Lee, I'm sure, where people are saying, we can't keep up with labor. Somebody left for a dollar an hour. They quit a job. That's right. They quit a job is what they did. Yeah. And if they feel like they can go over here and do the same job for a dollar more an hour, why wouldn't they? Why not? Right. And making money and building wealth, they're miles apart. And when you give somebody a gift mm-hmm. of mastery, mm-hmm. it changes the game. Mm-hmm. And so don't just cattle herd people into the training room and check the box and have yeah. everybody sign off. Like, go for the mastery. And I will tell you what I took out of that. I applied it. And it was painful. Yeah. Like, it was conference room after hours, role plays, and so I wanted to throw up and all yeah. this stuff. But to your point, people that are calling yeah. me, I'm still getting wedding invitations. And yeah, yeah. I mean, for goodness sake, I've had people name their kids after me. And I don't say yeah. that in an arrogant way, but it's like, wow. That's like, awesome. Just because I that's taught awesome. you how to do a sales script? Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> well, that's, that's meaningful. I mean, if you look at the data, it'll tell us that if you look at all the aspects of of, of satisfaction of you know your, of kind of financial fulfillment and and relational and, and all that all the other aspects of physical but your career well-being all aspects of well-being your career well-being is by far the biggest predictor of overall well-being so if i'm doing great at work and i've got someone helping me feel good about myself and succeed at work and master something that call that bleeds into the rest of my life for better or for worse, right? But in this case, in your case, right, it was good, right? That that affects their life. So not you're not just helping them do their job. You're actually improving the well-being of their whole life. That's very meaningful, right? Yeah. I 
And it's something I think people can be proud of. Yeah. Like they can be proud of the work that they're doing. And Lee, you've probably heard this story about the three guys that were digging a ditch and sure. the one guy goes along, what are you doing? I'm miserable. Yeah. Get out of my way. But they get to the third guy and the guy says, I've been given an opportunity to dig a ditch. It's going to run utilities and we're building a beautiful church up there. Yeah. Somebody, yeah. that guy had purpose, right? Yeah. yeah. How do leaders get there, Lee? Well, I mean, it's probably more than just printing off the certificate that you you did a good job. Like, how do we really tie this piece in? Yeah, I would say leaders are, are, are bridge builders. We have to build a bridge between today's tasks and toils and some brighter tomorrow. So I think what happens is it's just, we kind of just get busy and maybe sometimes we get lazy about it. But the fact is, no matter what level of the job, frontline accounts, accounts payable clerk, all the way up to a senior executive, we have to make sure that people understand the connection between what they're doing and how it's going to make a difference for our, our, our customers, our organization. I don't care if you're uh, in, in an IT call center taking help desk tickets, right? How's that helping our people be more productive, ultimately maybe have more time with their family, whatever it might be. So we need to think about that as a leader. We can't just assume they're here for the paycheck. And the data will tell us people are not here for the paycheck anymore. They're here for purpose. So we have to build that bridge between whatever they're doing today and say, okay, let's talk about that. Maybe you're really removed from the customer, but let's talk about and show you kind of the ripple effect about what you do and how it ends up affecting our customer. So yeah. if you're an accounts, an accounts receivable, okay, let's talk about that. The quicker you can help get this cash in for the business, that gives us cash flow. That enables us to invest not only your job security, but invest in opportunities for you and new things and new technologies. So helping them see that, I just think it's really, it's not hard to do, honestly, but it's just, we get up in the, caught up in the day-to-day. -day and I think we're assumptive about, well, I'm paying them good. I'm giving them a good job. And I would just say, paychecks out the door. You're going to assume you'd be reasonably competitive. People are not working for a paycheck now. We see plenty of young 20, 35, 20 to 35 year old people saying, you know what? I'm just taking six months off. I don't really care. I don't need the money. I'm not, you know, and so, and, and, and again, if you can't help them make that connection to something bigger than themselves that's meaningful to them, they're just going to find a place that can. So yeah. I, I really think it's just, I, I don't think it's a hard task, Jeff. I think it's just being patient. And, and the quicker you could do it when they start on board and spend the time to draw that connection, um, I, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's going to serve you very well. I think a great thing to do too for leaders is to ask your people what that looks like. Like, there you go. You know, they have the answers. And look, you got to filter the nonsense. You know, somebody's yeah. going to want pony rides on Friday. I get it. Right. But, you know, you got to filter some of that out. But your people will tell you, yeah. you know, what that looks like. And you're right. Like now more than ever, like if there ever was a time that it's like, I can't believe that just happened. So why'd they quit? Well, they said they wanted to go braid hair and sell, you know, uh, seashells down by the seashore yeah. and they're out. And yeah. they're like, what? Like things are happening, like we can't really put our mind around. Yeah. But but look, you have people that are sitting back and they're just saying, well, they're just crazy. Who would ever do that? Well, a lot of people uh, is what we're seeing yeah. are doing things like yeah. that. It doesn't. You can. We can sit here as leaders and make excuses like, who can believe this is ever happening? Yeah. But now more than ever, we are literally in combat with a very diverse workforce. We have the aging workforce. Yeah. We we have the the young workforce. Yeah. We have political differences, moral differences, social yeah. unrest. 
Lee, how how do how are leaders to navigate this and where how do they find this common ground? Because you got the older generation saying, well, they just quit and they're just hanging out at the beach. Who in their right mind does that? Well, a lot of people apparently. Yeah. Like how do, how are we, how are you telling leaders to navigate this challenge? I, I try to caution them about painting any generation with a broad brush. Because I think, you know, the baby boomers now are, are kind of toward the end of their career, maybe retiring. And I'm sure when they were coming in, whatever the generation was called before them was thinking, I can't believe these stupid baby boomers. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, right. Yeah, there's a great quote from Socrates that that from 2000 years ago, that sounds like it could be said today. This next generation doesn't have the right value. They don't work hard. They don't respect people. I'm like it was said 2000 years ago. So, yeah. so to me, it's like, like, let's get out of the, 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 the complaining zone. And find kind of common ground and 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 not paint people with a broad brush. So mm-hmm. I think it's important that back to understanding the person, right? How, and creating an environment, even if someone has a different maybe set of values or work ethic, how do we create an environment to get the best out of them? Right. Yeah. So it's not about, you know, everyone has to perform at the same level if you're a leader. My goal as a leader is just to get everyone to perform at their potential. Jeff, your potential might be much higher than this person's potential. But as a leader, I could be successful if I got both of you to your potential. That, that's our job. And, and, and I'm, I'm not I'm editorializing here a little bit. I'm not a big fan of just organizations taking political stances and all that. It's like I think you need to kind of let people be who they are at work, say what they need to say. But, but uh, I think we're in, a, we're in a world where a lot of organizations, if they don't take a stance, they really can get marginalized. So they, they, they have to take a stance. Um, then if they take a stance the other way, then they get, it, it, it's it's really tricky business. But it I'm really is. For leaders, we just need to love our people. I don't care what they believe, just like your kids. I don't care what they believe or what they do. It doesn't matter. But let's. Uh, my job is to make sure I see the person behind the employee and help you get be the best person you can be on the job. That's it. Yeah. Right? All the other yeah. stuff nonsense you want to talk about that offline that that's fine but that should not get in the way of your love for them and again we, we talk about love in our new book a lot but there's marcus buckingham by the way from perfect all the rules just just wrote a book about love and work right and so i think we're seeing that 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 we used to think oh love's kind of doesn't really belong in the workplace well love is really nothing more than doing what's in the best interest of others right? yeah to me that's the essence of of servant leadership and so if I'm really going to serve my people and help them be successful, I have to fundamentally love them. And we do, I think, get caught up in that because I just did a show on this recently, Lee. I don't even think it's out yet, but I was talking about stop using the pandemic and all the other things as an excuse yeah. and don't waste uh, a crisis. Yeah. Don't yeah. waste a crisis. This is your time to shine. Yeah, right. But I do yeah. see this, you know, because there is so much tension everywhere right now. And but here's the thing. It's like young, old. Democrat, Republican, uh, regardless of the color of your skin, here's what we know. Intellectual and emotional need applies to everybody. It applies to everybody. Cultures, industries, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no no doubt. Yeah. So I want, if you don't mind, Lee, I'd love to ask, uh, as we we come to a close here, I'd love to ask a, a little bit about your journey. Sure. So we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen into this show. We have a lot of corporate executives too, mm-hmm. uh, but we have a lot of entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. In 1999, you and your wife said, this is our calling. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. How did you know that this was the right thing to do? You, you have built a life serving other people, yeah. building companies, helping leaders thrive. 
How did you know in 1999 this was the way that you needed to go? Well, I'd been in the corporate world. I've been in consulting jobs for a little bit. Um, I'd always known I wanted to go out on my own. I didn't really know the purpose, my personal why. But as part of that process, before we launched out, I just did some self-assessments uh, and kind of just asked the question at that point in my life, who am I? Right. And so for me, it boiled down to like, I'm just a servant. I love to help people. Right. And that sounds kind of, you know, soft. But I was like, I just want to use, it didn't mean I needed to go out into the mission fields, but I just want to use the the gifts and the training and the education that my, thank God my parents afforded me. Uh, and, and how can I use that to best serve other people and help them? So when we kind of launched out, we kind of viewed our business as a really our kind of a ministry to to help others and, and learn and grow. We just our our deal is we like to equip them with tools and encourage them to succeed. And so um, it was really just through a lot of self-reflection, honestly. So I think it's important to make sure you know who you are before you just start your own business. Now, oh, I got this great idea. Let's just go do it. Like, yeah, because your personality and your values and your beliefs are going to kind of bleed throughout the whole business, throughout your whole organization. And so if you don't have that sense of clarity, in fact, we work with a lot of executives now, 25-year execs, I'll ask them, what are your three leadership values? And they'll go, oh, they've got to think about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, like in 25, you should know, boom, 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 right? You know, early on, my world, were, I was fair, focused, and fun, like at least three Fs. And people knew what, because I was fair, focused, and fun, what they could expect from me and what I expected from them. And so it's that same thing, even as you're starting your own business, having that self-reflection and really understanding who you are, what you want to do with your life uh, is really important. And my my wife and I, we really wanted a, a business that we could build to make sure that uh, we could build around our family to make sure we weren't missing the, the, those early years with our kids. We wanted some flexibility. We wanted to make sure we were staying in our sweet spot. What are we naturally gifted at? Uh, and so I think thinking about all those things, a lot of people jump to the business plan mm-hmm. without thinking about who I am and how is that going to be reflected out into the world and into my other people I'm dealing with. And we spent a lot of time on that. So that's kind of how we got a clarity to kind of move forward and say, this is what we're all about. We're leadership advisors dedicated to healthy growth. Um, and we want to dedicate our lives to that. That's that's great feedback. You know, I tell people all the time, just because you can make great apple pie doesn't mean you should start a pie company, right? Um, <laughs> it's not for everybody. What what are the what are the biggest things that you learned as you scaled your business? What are those pitfalls that maybe somebody starting in that journey can avoid? Sure. Uh, one thing was I way overestimated two things the difficulty of turning what I thought was really good relationships into paying clients, right? I, I was a likable guy. I, I had great relationships, been in a lot of a lot of areas. I try to help people out, but it's a different ball game. People, although all cheer you on, that sounds great, Lee, good stuff. Getting them to pay for is a different ball game. So, I mean, don't, don't just assume I've got a great network. They're all going to, don't, don't overestimate that. The other yeah. thing I overestimate is just the amount of time it takes to make something happen. Right. Mm. And so, you know, you do a five year pro forma, you know, and 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 we think I'm going to do that. And if you get there in seven years, you're doing good. Right. You know, so just sometimes uh, at least that was our experience. I shouldn't say it, but I mean, you have to be patient. And I'm saying this if you want to scale something, if you just want to knock it out and get it done, you can probably get it done in five years. But really scaling something requires kind of discipline and repetitiveness and then ultimately systemization of something. So that you don't have to think about it anymore. Then you layer something else on. Like, for example, our marketing, we we would do one thing. We wouldn't jump to something else until we kind of had that down. We didn't have to think about it very much. Then we'd layer something else on. And we've had a lot of people come to us and go, here's our marketing plan. We've got 10 things we're going to do. 
and they haven't figured out any 10 of them yet. I was like, figure one out first, right? Get yeah. it going, get feedback, learn about it. And then you'll be more informed and better equipped to layer on a next one. So now we have multiple layers of marketing that occurs and we don't have to think about it all that, all that much. I mean, that's, so that's one example. You need to take that into your operational area, into your service delivery area. And it's the same kind of mentality. So just being patient and, and creating personal and organizational habits yeah. that you layer on top of it. And that's why I think I at least tend to over underestimate the amount of time it takes because it's really about building kind of personal muscle and, and habits around these things. And that takes some time. How, how, where, I mean, I guess it's hard to pinpoint this, but how many years in was it that you were like, you know what? I think, I think we have something here. I feel like, yeah. I feel like we, we got a foundation under us. Like what did that look yeah. like? Yeah, well, we're 23 years in now, and hopefully we're getting to that point. But uh, I, I would say, um, uh, you know, honestly, you're in it for a decade. And uh, we were at least, it was like at some point, I don't know exactly where it is, but it's like you feel like you, you go through ups and downs, right? Through whether your business, you have a down business or the, or the economy goes down. And at some point, you don't get nervous anymore. And it's like, you know what? We've been through this. We, we'll figure it out. We kind of, uh, I, I don't know when it is, but. Uh, just a, a few years ago, uh, we really just a couple years ago, we kind of re kind of positioned the business uh, and to kind of take everything we've done and say, here's kind of a platform of our business. And we feel really good about it now. But that's an iter iter iterative process. So we yeah. felt really good at things right when we started. And then at five years, we kind of we looked at those. We it felt good about it at that point. And each time you hope you feel better and better. Now we feel the best it's ever been. Hopefully in five years, we'll even feel better. My point here is that your business is a living, breathing organism, right? Mm -hmm. You can't just kind of say, hey, we've got it now. We're set. We're just going to ride it out. It's yeah. like that, right? So I think the idea is always being willing to test things, try it out. I'm always really embarrassed when I reflect back on the first time I tried something like you talked about. First time I spoke in public. First, I'm, One of your podcasts, you talked about first time you gave your podcast. Oh my. I love the fact when I look back and I just cringe going, oh my gosh, that was horrific. But you know what? Your biggest learnings in life is after trial number one, right? You got to tr try it and learn. And then oh you're way better trial number two. And then you're a little better in trial number three. And then you start, that's how you get to excellence over time. So I just think in any business, you just got to keep trying new things, double down on what's working, that we're going to systematize that. That's awesome. Try new things. If it didn't work, okay, we tried that. We'll try something else. So that's kind of we really owe that's try to how we how we grow is just be willing to experiment. It's hard. Sometimes it costs it, it, money. Like we spent some money. It's like, ooh, that didn't work. That was that one oh, hurt a little bit. That was a semester. My language my kids, a semester of my kids' college, right? It's like, oh, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> like that when you're starting, right? So well, th um, this gets back to why you better know who you are and and yeah. that you're passionate about it, which is why most businesses fail in the first year because it's right, like, right. where's all the money? Where right. where's all the the fanfare and yeah. I, you know, I thought everybody from, you know, all my buddies were going to support my business and they don't. Yeah. And everybody from church is surely going to eat at the restaurant and they don't. Yeah, and right. and surely they're going to pay me and they don't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's getting through all of that. And I mean, look, that spoke to me uh, for sure. Now, you have uh, you've done a lot of work. You've helped thousands, tens of thousands of companies and leaders on their journey. And I know this is probably a tough question, but what book or what workshop um, that you've put out there do you think has had the biggest impact? You know what? Uh, it, it might be the one you're you're talking about because it really helped shape passion performance, helped shape the way people 
not just led, you can put leadership, but it helped them shape how they viewed their employees. And to me, if you, I would say you got to get your mind right before you can get your team right. So if that model helped leaders look at their employees differently to see the human being behind the employee, uh, I think that's really critical. Uh, so I, I, in the past, I would say it's passion performance. We've got a, a new book coming out called Healthy Leadership that's addresses a lot of the similar things, but really really buttressed on more of the very current research around what's going on in the in, in the business environment right now. So it's really about how to thrive in today's new world of work. And uh, and it brings a lot of science about how our brains work and, and positivity and how we can kind of minimize the negative and increase the positive, how we can demonstrate love to our workforce, how, how we continue to grow ourselves and our team. So I'm hoping this healthy leadership model has that same way. A lot of the tools, yeah. Jeff, are the same. It's really about the impact is if you can help people rethink how they view themselves, their role as a leader, and how they view the relationship with their team, that's really where you get, get a real multiplier effect. And that's really rewarding if we could see that, just like in your situation. Yeah, and I, I started, I was privileged enough to get a pre-copy of the book. And don't text me or email me. You're not getting it. You got to go order it. But I got one and um, I started reading it. And you know, the thing I was thinking about, and I thought this the first time I read Passionate Performance as well, is this seems so simple. And I remember as a new leader thinking that seems, it's almost like, is the person writing, is Lee like Captain Obvious here? But here's what we learned fast is simple and easy are miles apart. That's right. Because it's a simple concept, not easy to always execute. Right. And this book, Healthy Leadership, I will tell you the timing of this release could not be better. I mean, uh, a lot of economic turmoil. Uh, we're in an election year. What does that mean? And, you know, people are trying to rebound. Interest rates are going up. Inflation keeps climbing. We got all this going on. And here comes Healthy Leadership, which I believe comes out September of 2022, correct? Yep. Thank we you. can pre-order it on Amazon. Yep. I think I saw that as well. Thank you very Peter, much. Get this book, get this book, get this book and bundle it with passionate performance. <laughs> and uh, I will tell you, you will not regret that because it is absolutely great. Why? What prompted healthy leadership, Lee? Well, we had this is part of this uh, new kind of positioning of our business a couple of years ago to think about, like, what do we want to be for the next 10 years? Like, what do we want our legacy to be? And we, we uh, Julie and I had spent a lot of time, iterative process, thinking, thinking, thinking. And it was really about, we wanted to be leadership advisors for healthy growth. That's healthy growth for the leader, healthy growth for the employees, and healthy growth for the business. Love it. So it's a win all the way around, right? Yeah. And, and we have this whole model for healthy growth. But around that model, the perimeter around it is the ring is healthy leadership. Because we believe that healthy leadership is a force multiplier. We have these five growth factors in this model. But those growth factors can only are either inhibited or enhanced by the leader. Yeah. So we just said, you know, we have this model, but it's really the ring around it. That's, that's the trick here. That's the secret sauce. So we started developing this model around healthy leadership. What does it look like in today's world? Uh, how does it address current needs? Um, and then, so we started to build that out more. So we have assessments on it and tools and everything mm -hmm. around that, uh, that have enabled people, um, again, hopefully enable leaders to relook at, the way they view their role and we look at their people, but as a result, then it's transforming their business. So, Yeah. You can't give what you don't have. So yeah. go get this stuff. It is amazing. Uh, who, 
outside of your content, what what has been how have you been influenced most? Is there a book that you read that was like, this is a milestone book for me? Is yeah. there a mentor that you've had that yeah. has what was that for you? I'll answer to my mentor is a, a fellow co-author and best-selling author and also the author of the, the CEO of a publishing firm that we use called Cornerstone Leadership Institute. His name is David Cottrell. He has a great book called Monday Morning Leadership. Uh, he's been a great mentor of mine for, for years. But I'm going to give you a book that may not be the typical book. Maybe it'll help with a lot of your entrepreneurs. This is the book I did to kind of do this lot of the self-reflection. And it's called Even Eagles Need a Push years ago. It was written forever ago. And I reread it and I give it to people now. I'm thinking, how did this guy know it was going to be relevant like 30 years later? It's un unbelievable. And a guy named David McNally wrote it, Even Eagles Need a Push. And it's really a workbook. You read a few pages and then you write some things and you reflect and you read more. So it's a layering process. Don't be type A and just finish it in, in an hour. Over a month, do it. But Even Eagles Need a Push really helped me get a sense of who I was as a person, how does that fit into what I want to be in the future? Uh, really very powerful workbook that I use. So that's the probably the most influential book in my life to this point. Wow. Yeah. We will we will put that in the show notes. That will be one that I will order as well. Cool. That is amazing, amazing feedback. I'm always looking for that one more nugget that I can just take something from, right? Sure. And uh, I know, go ahead, Lee. No, I'm saying, even if we read a 300-page book, we're just looking for a nugget. We just want to elevate our game. That's over. it. One yeah. Nugget. At some time, at some point, like it feels like regurgitation. So I love asking those kind of questions. What do you do to uh, keep sharpening your axe? How do you stay sharp after all these years? Yeah, you know what? Uh, we try to learn uh, as much as we can. I love being around young leaders. Right? I th that's important. We we sponsor the Dallas chapter of the Young Presidents Organization. So we get to be around them. It's great. Uh, and and I always just try to be uh, keep an open mind and just learn from people. So, I mean, your life is a learning lab. You know, you got your books and your podcasts. Those are the obvious things. But really, it's about even the people you're interacting with. You're open-minded and thinking about, man, that guy at Ace Hardware, he really had a mm. knack with people. Or look at how they marketed that. That was really interesting. That's different. We're always just looking at the world around us and trying to learn as much as we can. Some might not apply to our business or personally, but it's just always to have a curious mind is really critical. And I think curiosity, we talk about that in the new book, curiosity is really key. It's like as a leader, you never want your people to think, oh, that guy's arrived, right? He's just kind of coasting. Right? You yeah. always have to be curious, asking questions and being open to people's responses. But even just in terms of how you view the world, I just kind of view it with a curious mind. So that kind of helps me try to stay a little bit sharp. Not as sharp as I used to be. I can tell you that much. But <laughs> well, to, I think the curiosity thing is big. Curiosity is really big. And most people think about why something couldn't work or why it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, but John Maxwell says it all the time. One of the most powerful ways to build your knowledge and build your network is ask Lee uh, after this call, who do you know that I don't know that I need to meet? Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, here's how Lee got on the show. This is going to blow your minds. I had his book in front of me. I had just talked about it to a client of mine and I'm looking at the bottom of that thing and it says Lee J. Cohen. And I'm like, you know what? I want, I'm going to Google him. I'm going to see if he would even be interested in being on the show. I'm not kidding. It wasn't even an hour that went by and you're like, I'd love to. And yeah. I'm like, wow, how about yeah. that? And here we are. Being so bold. somebody that has had the impact on me and uh, just for the asking, yeah. here we are. 
You know, if you never ask, the answer is always no, right? Yeah. So good, good for you for being bold. That's well, yeah. well done. Be curious. That's yeah. how I got Michael Watkins on the show the first 90 days. Really? Yeah, yeah, sure. Big impactful book. I just messaged him on LinkedIn. I DM'd yeah. him. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. So you, you just never know. But good Lee, luck. look, um, your work has made uh, a huge impact on me. And I know countless others. And now uh, the listeners from all over the world to this show have now been introduced to your content. I know they're going to be better for it, but you have more than passionate performance. You're more than healthy leadership. How can people learn more about you and your work and what you're doing to help? Yeah, you can just go to the lgroup.com, the word the, the lgroup.com and check it out. So um, a lot of free resources out there. I'm not even trying to sell you anything. So there are manifestos and self-assessments and a lot of tools. Um, you could you could sign up for our blog. We comes out twice a week. Again, it's really about how do we pour into people and put good out into the world. So it's not going to be lots of selling stuff. Um, so and, and if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, I'm always happy to help people. And to me, that that's why I feel like God put me here on earth. So if you have a question or you just want to bounce an idea off, um, whatever you want to access uh, me, um, we're, we're happy to happy to just help out and spend some time with you. Love it. Love the deposits you make listeners. All of his links will be in the show notes. Make sure you're getting those. If you're not getting those, uh, make sure you go to the website, jeffhancher.com. We can put those right into your inbox every single week. Lee, I appreciate you. Uh, keep making big impact. You're, you're making a difference out there. I appreciate you investing time to be on the show. Uh, Champion Forum Nation, uh, tap into what Lee is doing. Uh, he has made a big difference in my life, in my leadership impact, even from a very young age. And I've adopted these principles and executed them throughout the years. So Lee, thanks again. Listener, Thank thanks you. for joining us. And as you continue to help your teams and you help drive uh, passionate performance in your organizations, never forget to take a moment and always remember that you all have been set up to be champions in this life. The Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher. Lee. Inspire. Win.